0: tika.com
1: I have been 40 years a slave and 40 years free and would be here 40 years more to have equal rights for all
2: Even among the giants of American history Sojourner Truth stands out for what she did what she said and what she overcame despite being born a slave in 1797 She literally walked her way to freedom. And despite being unable to read or write, she was an eloquent and powerful orator, able to draw crowds as large as 4,000 people. And what did she speak about? She called for an end to slavery. She advocated for the rights of women. Hers was a voice that had to be heard. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and this is Seneca's 100 Women To Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Women of the past, the present, and women who are right now designing our future. We're speaking today with Dr. Dinah Ramey-Berry, an expert on gender, slavery, and Black women's history in the United States. Dr. Berry is an award-winning author and professor of American history at the University of Texas, Austin. She's also a co-producer of the multimedia series, Making History Hers, about women's contributions to the United States. We've asked her to talk to us today about the life and accomplishments of Sojourner Truth. Listen to our conversation with Dr. Barry and discover why Sojourner Truth is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Dr. Barry, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
2: Well, we are so excited to speak with you in particular about this incredible woman, Sojourner Truth, and to hear your insights on her life and accomplishments. I want to start with a question about your first introduction to her. Do you remember when you first learned of her story? How old were you and and what were your first thoughts?
1: I think I first heard her name from my mother as a young girl. Um, I probably was around eight or nine years old. I just remember my mom telling me that there were wonderful Black women who looked like me, who had done amazing things and who fought for their rights as women and as African-Americans but I don't think my official learning of her in terms of an academic setting came until college. And that was when I decided to study the history of slavery and the history of enslaved people. And in graduate school, I continued that work studying enslaved women and I read um, her narrative. And that was really when I learned the most about her and from two other African-American historians, Nell Irvin Painter, Nell Painter and Margaret Washington, Um, Both did biographies on Sojourner Truth, and those biographies taught me even more about her life.
2: So what can you share with us about her journey from birth to emancipation, her incredible journey, really, and her incredible genius? Can we start with her own background, her mother, her siblings, her father, where she grew up, and and how she lived? Yeah, sure. So we think she was
1: born around 1797, and her name at birth was Isabel Bomfrey and she was the youngest child of about 10 or 12 siblings. Her parents were Elizabeth and James Bomfrey, and they tried everything they could to keep their family together, but because they were born in Ulster County, New York, um, this was an Afro-Dutch community. She grew up speaking uh, low Dutch language, and she grew up watching her mother and father fight for the rights for their kids and their family to stay together because many of her siblings were taken and sold into slavery. And one of the things, I think one of her first lessons from what we understand about her life is that her parents wanted her to remember her brothers and sisters that were taken away. So her mother would constantly talk about them and tell them stories and make sure that Isabel and her siblings would remember those that had been taken from the family. Now, I think any enslaved person, most enslaved people, had been sold or were sold multiple times. And I think people don't necessarily understand that. She was sold around five times. And her first sale was at age nine. So mm-hmm. I always like you know, people to think about that. What does that yeah. mean? If you're nine years old, right? And taken from incredible. your parents. You know, and that just, that just goes to show that like enslaved people had to adapt and readapt to being put in different um, family and working uh, situations, situations of exploitation. And those 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 situations changed every time there was a change in their enslaver's family. So if there was a death of one of their enslavers or someone was married or they had a debt that they couldn't pay, enslaved people were sold.
2: And she even herself being a mother while in slavery, how do you think that changed her?
1: Well, I think you know, just thinking about the lessons that she learned from her own mother and um, just growing up with a place where there was a strong sense of family, she fell in love first with a man named Robert, but because of the laws of slavery, the two enslavers that were owned, they, were, they had different owners and they would not allow them to marry. They, they denied their request to be married. So she ended up later while she was enslaved, she married a man by the name of Thomas. And we think she gave birth to about five children um one of them we think was a son who died in infancy but she had a daughter named Diana a son named Peter and two other daughters named Elizabeth and Sophia and one of the things that she did because she was constantly being separated from her own family um one of her uh, enslavers promised her that they would be given she would be given her freedom and before the New York law was passed in 1799 the manumission act and she didn't believe that he would so she literally, and she says this, she walked into freedom. She took little Sophia in her arms and left slavery at the end of 1826 and walked to freedom. Wow. She had to leave her other children behind, but she went away and freed herself.
2: And after she was freed, she fought to have her son Peter return to her. Yes. And he had been sold illegally. Tell me about the significance of this case. Well, this was
1: in 1828. So a couple of years after she had um, Self emancipated. Peter was around six years old, and she got word that he had been illegally sold into slavery in Alabama, and that was something that obviously upset any mother and upset her greatly. So she went to the court. She went to um, New York, and she went to the court, and she tried to fight for his um, to, for his return. What's amazing about that is for her to go at this time, at at an age that you know, at her age. Um, looking for her son, who was you know so far away in Alabama, that was such a bold move. And you know she had to get the, the the court to listen to her. They sort of laughed. Some of them didn't take her seriously, but she kept going. She walked miles. She raised money. She found other people to support her to raise money to then try to find a way to bring him back. And she won and was able to have Peter return to her, which was amazing.
2: As you said earlier, she was a true advocate. I mean, so she was involved in in the courts, even though she wasn't reading or writing. She was a very profound orator and advocate. How did this come to be?
1: It was a God given talent. I mean, she says, and one of the things that I think is most significant about her is much of her activism was led by an internal belief system. She was very much influenced by the Second Great Awakening. Um, she then began um, by the time by the time she was around forty six years of age in 1843, she named herself Sojourner Truth and believed that it was a calling for her to then go lead on a public speaking tour um, and share the horrors of slavery with whatever audience would listen. And we learned later that she uh, followed the Bible um, and, and different scriptures that she would share. And she spoke in front of audiences, a mixed audiences as, l- as large as 4,000 individuals individuals. And sometimes they had to create overflow spaces, hmm. Even tent meetings where they were outdoors. Um, so it was really amazing to think about a, a black woman, former enslaved woman, who's now free, who fights to get possession of her children back, to gain possession of her children, and then to speak about the horrors of slavery and travel wherever she felt God led her to fight for these rights.
2: Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break.
1: We are fortunate to have a few relics from Sojourner Truth's life. Images of her, her narrative, as well as speeches. On May 9th of 1867, she gave a speech at the first annual meeting of the American Equal Rights Association. This was held at the Church of the Puritans in New York City. And she opened her remarks with the following. My friends, I am rejoiced that you are glad, but I don't know how you will feel when I get through. I come from another field, the country of the slave. They have got their liberty, so much good luck to have slavery partially destroyed. Not entirely. I want it root and branch destroyed. Then we will all be free indeed. At the close of her remarks, she made the following statement. I am above 80 years old and it is about time for me to be going. I have been 40 years a slave and 40 years free and would be here 40 years more to have equal rights for all. I suppose I am kept here because something remains for me to do. I suppose I am yet to help to break the chain.
2: What have you learned about
1: her through her memoirs? Oh my gosh, so much. One thing that stood out to me just personally, and this may not be anything that jumps out at anyone else, but the way she talked about her parents, because I wanted to know her foundation. I wanted to know who she was as a young girl, as a woman. How, how was she raised? Um, I know that enslaved life is so fraught with separation, but the fact that her parents had such a strong influence on her, even though she was taken away at age nine. So she talked about her parents as they aged, and how, as she, after she escaped, she wanted to, you know, check on them and make sure they were okay. Um, it's the struggle she had with when she saw about her father trying to care for her mother. And just some of the things about their old age and how enslaved people were treated in the elderly, elderly years mm-hmm. is something that we don't know much about. And I really, for me, was, I sort of honed in on those, those parts of the story. Um, the other parts that I, I liked was just learning about her spirituality. And just, this is a woman of God and learning about how she was so bold. I mean, she then, you know, after she leaves New York, she moves to Florence, Massachusetts and joins the um, National Association of Education and Industry, which was a social justice organization. And then there she continued speaking. Um, So she just would travel wherever she felt she was led. And she felt, she experienced violence. People tried to, you know, her life was obviously threatened, but she still felt strongly about social justice issues, including abolition, the abolition of slavery and the rights of women.
2: Can we talk about her relationship to the white suffrage movement?
1: Yes. So as you know, in 1848, the, at the Seneca Falls Convention, there were no um, women of color present. Um, there were, I think, 200 people at that first convention, and there were about 40 men, including Frederick Douglass. Um, and, they, and Frederick Douglass was one of the signers of the Declaration of Sentiments. But we know we first heard a lot about Sergeant Jenna Truth. Many college classes talk about her in this way about the 1851 Ohio Women's Rights Convention, and that was where it's been reported that she gave this, you know, remarkable speech um, that was powerful. People say that she used quote unquote strong and truthful tones, um, but it was reported. 12 years after she made this speech, and this is the aren't I a woman speech or ain't I a woman speech. You've probably heard about it. Yes, about it. yes most people <laughs> have. Um, but, the, but the way it was reported 12 years afterward by Frances Gage, who was also a suffragist, Frances Gage said 12 years later, she, she recanted or recalled the speech that Sojourner Truth gave. And she said the way she reported it was that such that she used broken English and it was like a Southern dialect. And Sojourner Truth would not have used some of the language that's in there. She, she spoke low Dutch, not Southern dialect and English, a Southern, broken Southern dialect. So there's been questions about the accuracy of that speech.
2: I can't believe I didn't know that, actually.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's, some people have swept it on the rug because they'll, they'll have little girls like reciting that speech. And there's no way that Sojourner Truth would have said it the way it was said. But we do know, regardless of, of how she said it. We do know that it was powerful. We know that it was impactful. We know that people were there, were moved by what she said. And it was very clear that she argued for equal rights for Black women in a space that was heavily dominated, obviously, by whites.
2: And who was her audience for that? Who was she able to influence?
1: She was able to influence um, the white women that were there, but she ended up later sort of breaking with white women like um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony because she They didn't support, Stanton in particular, didn't support universal male suffrage. Stanton made a statement about how she didn't want to have colored men have the right to vote before women. And that was something that Sojourner Truth disagreed with. She felt like she would be okay with black men getting the right to vote. She still fought for women's suffrage. But she had a problem, and they parted ways after the 15th Amendment. Um, They parted ways after that. And after this, though, Sojourner Truth continued to fight. Um, she worked during the Civil War. To she was also doing political work during the Civil War. She wanted to make sure that Black soldiers were included in the Union Army. She wanted to make sure they were able to volunteer and um, and were permitted to join. She also brought them food and clothing during the war. Many people don't know that about her. And then afterwards, um, after the Civil War, she fought to help support the resettlement of freed slaves. Um, and she wanted them to, to find a space for land. In 1879, there was an exodus to Kansas where they worked hard to try to resettle and live in a space of freedom.
2: When you really think of her humanity, she overcame so many insurmountable challenges, and she spoke truth when others wouldn't or couldn't, and it could have cost her her life. What is it that we should take away from her?
1: Well, I think one is that she spoke about things that were dear to her heart. She spoke about injustice. She spoke against injustice. She spoke for the right of inequality of all men men and women, black and white. And she was willing to be flexible and work within these movements. But she was very strong about saying that if black women and women in particular don't receive the right to vote, then they'll be enslaved by men and be um, oppressed by women. So she really was an advocate to make sure that black women weren't left out of this equation. So I think the takeaway is just equality um, and the right to vote. And that's really important today as we now have the right to vote. I think that's something that you see someone like Sojourner Truth in the 19th century, a formerly enslaved woman who self-liberated and had her family separated, still fought for equality for all.
2: I want to thank Dr. Berry for joining us and for sharing her insights on this extraordinary woman, Sojourner Truth. As we think about the 100th anniversary of women getting the vote, we have to remember that it would take another 45 years for all women to gain full access to that right through the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Sojourner Truth's entire life and work was dedicated to ensuring all women and men would have access to true equality. And in spite of the tremendous injustices and incredible hardships she endured, she never wavered in her fight for equality and human rights for all. In fact, it could be said that her life is the very definition of courage. Courage to speak out against wrongs. Courage to speak up, whether in the public square or in the courts, even at the risk of her own life. And this courage stemmed from a strong inner belief system, an unwavering deep sense of purpose that propelled her forward bold and eloquent, a gifted orator, a true genius. Sojourner Truth was able to change the course of history. Her story shows us that when women's voices are heard, the progress that once seemed impossible is, in fact, possible. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner PG. Have a great day.
1: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope.